The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, If you got your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. We've been in a series now, Revive Us, O Lord, O God. And uh, we've been looking at the churches in uh, Revelation. We looked at uh, how God, uh, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, revealed himself to John on the island of Patmos there in chapter 1. And now the messages to the churches. We've looked at Ephesus, uh, Smyrna, and Pergamum. And i got to be honest with you, this week, the Lord just kind of grabbed my attention. And so we're going to go back and look at a couple things at these first three messages uh, this morning. Uh, going to kind of take a pause. We'll finish the rest of them later on uh, as we move forward. But, uh, but, but here, here's the title of my message today uh, is Overcomer. I don't know if that's what that you got up there on the... There it is. There it is. Overcomer. In fact, I wanted to, at one point, title, I thought about the, 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 these messages many weeks ago, and I thought, well, this word, overcomer, in fact, over, at the end of every message that the Lord gives to the church, uh, if you look with me here, just in these first few, in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says, to him who overcomes, or let me back up, him who, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. And then, oh, and then in verse 11, to the church at Smyrna, him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, he who overcomes. And then again in verse 17, him who has a hear, ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. And I wanted, I mean, weeks and weeks ago, I thought, well, the title, appropriate title for these messages is Overcomer, or the one who overcomes. And in Christ Jesus, we are overcomers. Through the blood of Jesus, we overcome. But that was, so, so God just brought me back to this and, and kind of captivated my heart. And so I want to share with you several things. What does it mean to be an overcomer? Uh, and, I, and hopefully we'll glean a few things here from these first three churches and messages here about overcoming and being one that overcomes. And particularly in the last days and the days, uh, and particularly that he's referencing here, but also for us as well today. Uh, first thing is this. Hearing the Spirit of the Lord. Again, I'm going to remind you in these verses, these few verses that kind of at the end of these messages that were brought, he says to he who has an ear, let him hear. And again, the same thing. He who has an ear, let him hear. Again, he who has an ear, let him hear. There's, there's, there's something that we need to say very clearly at the very beginning of this is that when we talk about hearing from the Spirit of the Lord, first and foremost, we need to say this. We need to hear this. God help us to hear it. That God is speaking still today. To the churches in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum, He was speaking through His messengers. He was speaking, literally, bringing a word to the church. I hope as your pastor and I hope as your life group leader, your Bible study leaders, that we bring God's word to the church today. God still speaks today. Now let me remind, let me remind you. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom 
He also made the universe. Here it is, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ speaking a word to the churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum. We know this word is not just for them. Why? How do we know that? We know this is God's word. We know that it's inspired. We understand that. But look at your text in every one of those. Verse 7, hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. This word was meant to be shared with all the churches and to us today. We can glean as well today like them truth from our risen Lord Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, God speaks. Let me remind you in John 14, verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, here it is, and remind you of everything that I have said to you. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit's role in our life today is to remind us and teach us everything that the Lord Jesus Christ taught, yes, physically on earth, and He brings to life even so today. In John 15, 26, when the Advocate comes... When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, what will he do? He will testify about me, the Lord Jesus says. The role of the Holy Spirit is to testify about the Lord Jesus, bring his word to his people. In John 16, verses 13 and 14, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come, and he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit's role is to bring God's word, the Lord Jesus Christ, his word to his people, even so today. I mean, literally, we get to read, we get a snapshot in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum where the risen, resurrected Lord gives a specific word to the churches there, and we've gone over that. But God is still speaking today. We need to declare that. We need to say that. And that's not some little hokey-pokey little thing. That's a real deal. Jesus Christ is alive and well on his throne. The Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence in the hearts of every child of God here today. And the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into all truth. Lead us into uh, uh, not just the truth as as far as the Word of God, but the truth that Jesus Christ is the truth, He's the way and He's the life, and we can be led by Him, taught by Him, even so today. God is speaking loud and clear today. Now, let, let me go on. He speaks through His Word. I've shared this earlier. I've said this many times if you've been with me on Wednesday night. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture... Old Testament, New Testament, what we have here is the Word of God. God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In other words, God speaks His Word still today in our hearts. I just left a, an incredible Bible study, right, where we open up the Word of God, Psalm 99. God speaks to our hearts today just as He spoke to the nation of Israel, just as He spoke to the people of the Old Testament. He speaks to us today through His Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 clearly states what God's Word is living and active. Powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. There's nothing under God's creation outside of His Word that is anointed by His Holy Spirit that will cut a man or a woman to their heart. Is it not? I mean, I, I, I submit to you today, it is God's Word that cut. When Mr. Bearden on that day in that Bible study, it was Sunday school back in those days, when he shared a testimony, and he shared John 3.16 on that day, cut me to the heart. Why? The Spirit of the living God took his word, the Lord's word, and cut me to the heart. He does that so today. God's still speaking today. 
to his people. The whole emphasis here in Revelation, I mean, the grace of God being literally pronounced is that God is trying to get his church's attention. Why? It's the grace of God. He doesn't want them to wander around and keep moving in that direction. He calls them out over and over again. Why? Because he cares for them. He loves for them. If God didn't care anything about me and you, he'd just leave us alone. Do whatever you want. But God loves me and you. And that's the root of, of the foundation of his speaking to us today. He's calling us to an intimate love relationship with him over and over again. Now, I say this, and I hope you hear me. I hope so. Lord, give us ears to hear. You know, I, as I thought about this, I couldn't help but think about myself. I don't know if some of you are in my boat. Uh, this ear doesn't hear so well like it used to. I don't know. Uh, probably had something to do with how loud I listened to the stereo back in the day. Some of y'all probably don't understand what I'm talking about, but we would turn that thing on up. And uh, where the, I mean, in fact, one time the, the, the rearview mirror just fell off the windshield. It, it rattled so much. It did. came on off. Um, so, so I say this in all seriousness, I mean, I mean this, I, so I can't hear so well out of this. That's why if you're sitting over here and you say, I hear mumbling, I look over here and say, huh, what'd you say? I've gotten it so bad. My, my family makes fun of me. I've gotten in a habit of when someone says something, I'll just say, huh? And it's, I'm, and, and sometimes I hear you, but I say, huh, anyway, because I'm so used to it. Um, I'm just, I'm not the only one. There's somebody else. Um, Okay, thank you. But 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 he, but please hear please hear me. God give us a ear to hear. Um, God is speaking loud and clear today to His people, to His children. Unfortunately, we're not listening so well. You would think that when the message from the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ came to the church in Ephesus, that they would have just had a Holy Ghost meeting and shut down everything and revival would have taken off in their place. One generation away from not listening to the Lord to where there will be a church that might gather with no power of the Holy Spirit. One generation away. What do, what do you mean, JJ? What do you mean? I had the privilege of going to Wales some years ago with Gavin, actually. Got to walk in the place where the Welch Revival of 1905 took place. I got to walk in those hills. I got to go to Bridge Inn, and I got to preach in some of the churches that were overflowing with people some just a few years earlier. Unfortunately, when we showed up uh, in those days back in the 90s, when we showed up, uh, Christian churches in that area were just obscure we went to a big church, and there was about 15 people there. We actually had a vacation Bible school. I think that's why the Lord brought me back to this. Uh, man, we had a vacation Bible school that year. We all went. We served. We worked. Uh, man, there was a great harvest of 9 to 11-year-olds in VBS. I mean, it was mind-blowing. Songalola was one of those. Songi is what she called herself, or they called her. Many of those in that 9 to 11 age group, man, came to faith in Christ. It was an incredible, beautiful thing. I would love to tell you that the church just rose up and came around them and just started working hard to, to do everything they could to help these young children come to, not just come to faith in Christ, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. But no, that wasn't the case. They had drifted so far and departed so far from the Lord that they, they basically stood at a distance to these children in their own city. 
and just say, well, I guess they'll just do the best they can. They said, well, if they're going to come back, they'll just come back on their own. They had no unction to go to them, to even, to even do anything to cultivate a personal, intimate relationship with their own community. Broke my heart. It is one of the few times I've been out of the country when I actually walked down the streets and I met a young boy on the street and we talked to him about VBS and he looked at me like I was from outer space. I said, you don't know about vacation Bible school? And he looked at me like confused. I said, you ain't never heard about the Lord Jesus? And he just was confused. all This young man had never heard the name of Jesus before in his life. I'd love to tell you that he came to faith on that day, but he heard about the Lord, and we shared the, the Scripture with him. But friend, I want you to understand, we're one generation away of not listening to the Lord, and all of a sudden it might be us talking about, hey, you know what? We can gather together with no power of the Holy Spirit. God is speaking clearly today. I believe he spoke clearly in the first century to his people, to his churches, and I believe that word is for us today. However, I need to be just really honest with us, and we need to, we need to be uh, uh, at least open to understand there's hindrances to hearing from the Lord. God speaks, yeah, but there's some hindrances. Number one is this, duty for God has replaced devotion to God. Read what happened in Ephesus. They lost their first love. They turned away from the Lord Jesus Christ, a love, an intimate, personal relationship with Him. They filled their life with doctrinal orthodoxy. There's nothing wrong with that, but they filled their life with it. And outward service became their theme. But friend, they had a cold heart towards the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no flame burning in their heart for the Lord. There was no passionate devotion to God Almighty. God had that one thing against them. Friend, we ought, to look, we ought to take note of this. God, give us ears to hear this morning. Is it possible that you're sitting here today and you can't remember the last time you passionately talked to your Heavenly Father? That you experienced His love for you or your love for Him and you just maybe sat in that moment of worship and intimacy? Maybe when I talk to you about this, maybe it's a foreign concept like that little boy on the streets that day. Maybe you know all about coming to church. You know all about religion. You know all about Orthodox. You know about bringing your Bible to church. But, but I'm talking about a personal God who personally loves you, who personally wants to know you and to be known by you. He loves you with an everlasting love. So hindrances, duty for God can replace our devotion. But number two, there's distractions of this world. I don't have time this morning to talk all about distractions. I mean, good night, y'all, right? There's all kinds of things that can hinder it. We see this in these handful. There's just a few churches here. Pergamum was distracted. Number three, they had a disdain for the Word of God. That's strong, Pastor. I said, that's right. They, in other words, they did not think this was the Word of God anymore. Living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. They didn't. They, they, what did they do? They turned to the teachings of Balaam. They turned to the teaching of Nicolaitans. They turned to other heresies. They said, no, 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 I like this better. This suits me better than God's Word. And they turned away from it. They had a disdain for it. That may be too strong for you this morning, but friend, where is the Word of God in your life today? Can I just ask that question? I'm asking it to me right now. Maybe we talk about we love the Lord and love His Word, but maybe it's been a long time since we opened it up and just read from it. You know, I quoted from uh, Richard, uh, Richard's book last week, and one of the comments, one of the editors in that book said, you know, sometimes 
It seems like the people of God have an affair with the Lord, and that may be an awkward way of singing it. In other words, it's only on Sunday when they show up and they start singing these songs and they sway back and forth and they're doing all this numbering, woo, all this, amen, loving Jesus. And then on Monday comes. And it's not till next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to do it all over again. Sway. I don't know if you start swaying. I don't watch you when I'm worshiping, but I get to moving like this. God wants more than once a week devotion and love from his children. Number four, departing from the ways of God. I make no mistake, in Ephesus it was there, in Pergamum it was there, worldly living, sexual immorality, idolatry. These may be strong words for us or things that we need to really take stock in, but friend, it's all around us today. And, I, and I'm not even talking about I'm talking about it's in the church house. It is. In other words, when we depart from the ways of God, we depart from His Word, we'll start living life how we think we need to live it. Not Him. In fact, we'll begin to uh, think it's a foreign concept that God might orchestrate my days on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for His glory and His purposes. Because we're too consumed with ourselves and what we want to do. They departed from the ways of God. In other words, what, what do I mean? They, they, they forgot that they had been empowered by the Holy Spirit to witness for the Lord. I, I want to remind you of something you already know. God has placed you where you are to share Him with the people around you. You meet people every day, every week, that need Christ. The churches that we've already looked at here in, at the beginning of Revelation... They had forgotten. They had departed from the ways of God. And in fact, they didn't even think about their witness for the Lord anymore. That we're ambassadors. That when somebody meets me and you as a child of God, they meet Jesus Christ himself. The last thing, they despised repentance. What do you mean? Over and over again. Every message to the church. What, what did he say? What's the remedy? Over and over again. Repent. 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 I don't know why it is, but we think repentance is a bad word today. Repentance is a glorious word for wayward Christians because it means God is a God of grace and a God of mercy and that he's calling us to confess. That means to agree with him what's really going on in our life and that we can turn back to him. That's what he was doing with the churches here, particularly in Ephesus and Pergamum. What we've seen already. And friend, it's the same today. If we despise repentance, then we'll just keep on keeping on, just doing what we're doing for our own reasons and our own ambition. But when God calls us out, when His Word brings conviction, it's for our good and for His glory. Church, don't despise repentance. It's a beautiful thing. To confess you've messed up and done wrong and sinned against the Holy God and just fall on your face and say, God, forgive me. To God be the glory. Disciples didn't understand. How many times should we forgive someone? He said 70 times 7, and they were calculating their head. Good night. 490 times? No. As often as he does. Why? Because God does that with me and you. One of the glorious testimonies is that God is rich in mercy he is great in His love for us. It's steadfast. It never ends. He's highly committed. He continues in that. To God be the glory. The churches here had despised repentance. They had turned away from that. They said, no longer will we repent of our sin. We'll just try to cover it up a little bit. Make it look good.
So there's some great hindrances to hearing from the Lord, as we see here in these churches. But make no mistake, over and over again, God makes promises to those that overcome. The, uh, and, and just in these few churches that we see right here, He makes promise after promise. Let, let me remind us, over and again, He addresses those to them who overcome. The term does not describe someone who's reached some higher level of Christianity by no means. It's all Christians. Why, why do we say this? Apostle John says it in 1 John 5. For whatever is born of God, birthed from God, overcomes this world. And this is the victory mm, that has overcome the world. That's our faith in Jesus. Who is the one that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. What does he mean by that? That that you believe that he died and rose again. And there's a good song that says, Victory in Jesus. To him who overcomes, all true believers overcome. It's not based on your own merit, your own strength. It's all purely through the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice. His death and resurrection has sealed forever. To God be the glory. Our ability to overcome. Walk in it, church. By God's grace, walk in it, live in it, to God be the glory. Live as a child of the King. These are beautiful promises that God has given to not just the church in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamon, but to us. What did he say over and again? He talked about first is what the tree of life. He's talking about being able to partake of that. He's, th- he's envisioning heaven. He says to Smyrna and the believers there, you know what, you're going to escape the second death. Oh my goodness, church, let's just praise the Lord. What God did for us forever changed our lives. Death is not the end of life. Please hear that. The Bible says we're appointed to death and then the judgment and to God be the glory through God's grace and mercy. We're going to escape that. To Pergamum, he talks about the hidden manna. I didn't get to that last week, but I want to share with you. The manna is a honey-flavored bread. Mm, it had to be good. Huh? You may not know me, but I like honey and I like bread. I do. Two go great together. But they fed that. God fed the Israelites for years in the wilderness. <clears throat> and according to the Exodus 16.33, the Israelites would memorialize that provision by keeping a jar of manna inside the Ark of the Covenant. The hidden manna that he talks about here to Pergamon, uh, it represents Jesus Christ, the bread of life, who came down from heaven. He's our provision. He provides spiritual sustenance for those who put their faith and trust in him. It, it, it symbolizes all the blessings and the benefits of knowing Christ. Not only in Pergamon did he talk about the hidden manna, that's a great promise that we have, but he also talked about a white stone. Now, there's several commentators that will reference this and what it means. The most likely is this. In the Roman culture, uh, they would always award the victors a white stone who won their athletic contest. On that white stone would have been inscribed the athlete's name, and that name, that stone, served as a ticket to a special banquet that they would have attended In this view, please hear me, please hear me. Christ promises the overcomers, all the children of God, covered under His blood, His sacrifice, promises that that stone, that white stone represents our eternal victory. The banqueting table. Mm. 
in heaven, the celebration, the finally realized victory that we have in Jesus Christ. The last thing is this. He gives them a new name. We see this at the end of the letter to Pergamum. He said, I'm going to give them a white stone with a name, new name, written on it. Known only to him who receives it. Now obviously this name is only you're only going to know it when you receive this. But what does it mean? MacArthur makes this statement. He says, there will be a new name written on the stone which no one knows but those that receive it, as is self-evident. We won't know it until we receive it for sure. But the word new is kainos. It doesn't mean in contrast to your old name or, in, or time, but in a sense of something totally, completely different. This new name will serve as each believer's admission pass into eternal glory. It will be uniquely reflective, hear this, of God's special love for you and adoption of every true child of His. The Bible teaches uh, Psalm 139, God knit us together in our mother's womb. Jesus taught us to pray our Heavenly Father, right? He is your Father who art in heaven. He loves you with an everlasting love. Oh my goodness, I can't help but to think about my own children. How much I love them. And don't get me wrong, they get on my nerves sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I can't, I'm not lying. But I love them. In fact, I tell them often that I love them. And uh, I'm not sure they really understand how much I love them. There's something special about a father's love for his child. My love is nothing in compared to our Heavenly Father's love. I, I pray that you hear me this morning. God loves you so much. Not only did he create you, not only did he save you, but he's given you a new name. Your identity and your worth is in him. You know, Jesus prayed before going to the cross. John 17, he said this in his prayer. He said, I've made you known to them. That means us. And we'll continue, listen to this, to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. I really believe the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ was trying to get the attention of the church here in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, and Flint Hill. He's wanting to remind us of his incredible great love for us. That's very personal. He's wanting to remind me and you that you've been given a name that will last eternity. You have a purpose and a plan for your life that goes way beyond this life that we have right now. Whatever that holds for me and you, I can promise you this. He wants you to know his love for you. Good night.
What is going to enable us to stand firm, strong? It's not your wit. It's not your own strength. It's the incredible, glorious love of our Lord Jesus Christ that roots us and establishes us. It's in Him and Him alone. I want us to take a moment, if you will bow your heads with me right now, if you will. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a song of response. But before I pray, I just want to ask right now, are you hearing from the Lord today? Are you hearing the words of the Lord, church? Can you hear your heavenly Father call you by name? Is he real and personal in your life right now? Is your love for him growing? Thriving? Maybe if we're honest, we're just too busy, too distracted, too consumed with all this other stuff that we can't be still and know that He's the Lord. Father, would you help us right now? God, I pray, Lord, if you're touching our heart, God, that you would lead us, God, to come back to you. God, your word to the churches in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum was to draw people back to you, to return to you, to acknowledge where they departed and to turn back to you. God, I'm just asking you right here, right now. Lord, we're about to have a, what we call an invitation, a response time. God, would you so be glorified in this moment that you would so graciously allow us to come back to you. God, that we would turn away from our busyness, our distractions, or just our own sin and turn to you. God, that you would renew in us this incredible love. God, remind us of who we really are in your eyes and how much you love us and care for us. God, above all, I pray that you would just unclog our ears and to hear from you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will stand with me this morning, church. Gavin's going to lead us in a song of what we call response or invitation. Friend, if you're here, listen, make an altar where you are. If you need to come to this altar, you come. If you know God's leading on your heart to unite in this fellowship, then make that public. To God be the glory. If you're here and you know you need Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please come. Please come. As we sing, you be obedient to the Lord. Let's do this.